Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. My name is Carl. And I'm Holly. And we'd like to welcome you to another exciting edition of our wonderful podcast of the genre of arts and leisure. Arts and leisure? No, no. it's society and culture. Society and culture. Arts and leisure, society and culture. It's exactly the same thing, only different. Anyway, <laughs> we just want to say welcome back, guys. We hope you enjoyed our last uh, edition of the uh, Branch Davidians. A very interesting group, a lot of curveballs. But this time, to, to this episode, we're going to narrow it down to the nitty of the gritty, as they say. Yes, we are. So we just wanted to say thank you for the five stars we've received so far. Oh, yes. We love it when you do that. We're begging for you to do that. So and also leave uh, uh, comments as well. We thank you for the wonderful people who've also commented and shared on a Facebook fan page. Yes, and also they've got an email where we, we will uh, discuss later. Yes, we will. So it's, once again, guys, if you're like, gee, Carl, how can we get a hold of you? I'm glad you asked because I have information to share. Yes, we have our Facebook fan page at Colts Coffee and Conversation. We have our Instagram at Colts Coffee Con Vo. We have our Twitter machine at Colts Coffee Con One. That is Colts Coffee Con One. And of course, our email address that Holly just alluded to is Colts Coffee Convo at gmail.com. And there's also one other way of getting a hold of us. Go ahead. Yes, Holly. We, you can record a voice memo and send it off from your smartphone to Colts Coffee Convo at gmail.com. Yes, and of course, here's our disclaimer. We have to do our disclaimer because some people need a disclaimer every time we have a podcast. This is for entertainment purposes only. We do the research. We comment on it. You may like it. You may not. doesn't matter because you know what? If you're listening right now, it's because you like it, you love it, you listen, you share it, and we appreciate it. Yes. Very nice. Alrighty, enough of that nonsense. Well, not nonsense, but stuff that we consider nonsense. Let's get into it. Are you ready to get into it? Wait. I just jumped the gun once yes, again. Yes, you did. Of course, we talked about our, we have to, before we get into our conversation about our cults, we have to talk about our coffee. What are we drinking, Holly? Okay, so this is home brew stuff today. Yep, home stuff. Home okay. cooking. Yep, it is uh, French roast. Yes, it is. With Italian sweet cream. Mm, yes. Sugar for you? I have a little bit of sweet and low. I don't. Yes. Perfect. Cream, coffee, golden and delicious. Okay. All righty. Okay. Enough of the coffee. Now let's get into the nittiest of the gritty. So we're just doing a quick recap of the last episode. Of course, we had a bunch of curveballs left and right, leader for leader, this for that, infighting, infighting, infighting. All comes down to the the when it's all over said and done. Lois Roden is now the prophetess of the Branch Davidian, and of course we also left off with a, a gentleman by the name of Vernon Howell, uh, who becomes the key to open the door because the door is Lois Roden, and once the key is opened, the door, and then here comes the floodgates of stuff. Okay. But let's get into the background of who is Vernon Howell. Okay. He was born in Houston, Texas on mm. August 17th, 1959, and he grew up in Tyler, Texas with his grandmother. Ah. His given name was Vernon Wayne Howell. His mother, Bonnie Sue Clark, had him when she was 14 years old. Mm. So his father left her for another underage girl. Mm. Because Bonnie was too young to care for him, her mother raised him with her other younger children. So it would be Vernon's aunt and uncle. Right. 
Vernon was always busy building things, finding out how things worked, or playing guitar. And he was very talented. Bonnie married Roy Haldeman when Vernon was five years old. Roy was a terrible stepfather and was rough on him, and mm. they had a son between them whose name was Roger. Mm. Vernon missed his grandmother, on, and on one occasion, after she came for a visit, he was told he could not go home with her. He chased the car with his bike, crying. Mm. In school, he was in the special class because he was dyslexic. He was considered retarded by the other children. Mm. He would pray to God in the woods for hours. Huh. He was kicked out of several churches because he would ask questions the pastor could not answer to his satisfaction. Mm. When he was 19 years old, he got a 16-year-old girl pregnant mm. and wanted to marry her. She refused because she felt him unfit to raise a child. While attending a Seventh-day Adventist church, he fell in love with the pastor's daughter and approached her father about marrying her. The pastor said no and later expelled him from the congregation for continuing to pursue her. Mm. He told his aunt when he was young, one day the government would kill him. Interesting. One night, while living in his car and working in the day, he cussed God out. He said that a presence enshrouded him and being said to him, Don't you know for 19 years I've loved you and for 19 years you've turned your back on me and rejected me? The being revealed unique and strengthening experience throughout his life. From that point on, Vernon had a knowledge of what he was supposed to do. Hmm. A family friend told him about Mount Carmel. Between the years of 1981 uh -huh. and 84, mm. he went out and spent a short time in Los Angeles trying to be a rock star. Ah. Vernon was in his early 20s when he wanted to find a prophet or a prophetess to guide him. Mm. He went to Waco and to Lois Roden. Mm. Okay. He looked like a hippie and played guitar. So he, okay, so let's stop kind of right <coughs> there, okay? <laughs> okay, uh, okay. As we see that this was how he became, this is his little background up until the time he came into Mount Carmel and met Lois Roden, which we were talking about. He was the key and she was the door or something yes, like that. Yes, yeah, this is where things kind of start to uh, fill in the, the puzzle pieces on how he... He became. <laughs> I'm in, I'm enjoying waiting for Holly to talk about. Oh, this I subject. get to do it. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh you want me? To I can do it. That's fine. I don't know. It's I. I don't care. You know me. I nothing bothers me much. Okay. Well, do you want to do it? Let's or do not? it. Okay, guys. Enough of the cliffhanger. Like, what are you guys talking about? This is where it gets. By the way, we can't make this stuff up. No, we can't. All right. So, just out of curiosity, um, do you, how how old is is uh, Lois at this time? She's in her late sixties. They say around seventy years mm. old. And uh, Vernon Howe is about well, he's been fifty nine, sixty nine, seventy nine. So he's in his early twenties. He's in his early twenties. Okay. okay. So he had sexual relationships with Lois, starting teaching scriptures to her. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> Gross. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, he started teaching her scriptures. Ver Vernon thought it was God's will that he and Lois should produce a holy child. Ooh. Spoiler alert. Guess who Ver uh, Vernon Howell is? Who? 
it is David Koresh. Naughty, naughty. Okay. All right. Okay. Go ahead. So David Koresh, he obviously changed his name in the group Mm -hmm. because he is now, mm, he's with their prophetess. Right. And she's validating his scriptures, allowing him to teach, Mm -hmm. even though they were not in in line with what they were teaching from her husband, Ben Roden, right? Mm -hmm. You know, she was their leader. And now he's saying they're going to have a holy child. Yes. So he also declared himself a god in TV interviews retelling the pregnancy story with Lois. I kind of jumped ahead. The holy child was she did get pregnant, Mm -hmm. but miscarried the child. Mm. So we don't know how she was able to do that in her late age. We can only imagine. Getting pregnant at her Late age is a miracle in itself. It could have been a hysterical pregnancy. We don't know. I mean, it probably doesn't really matter. What matters is that they tried doing that. (laughs) It failed. Okay. And he uh, told everyone Lois was pregnant and her faith was going to produce this child. She was 70 years old. When she miscarried the baby, David dropped her like a hot potato and said Lois did not have enough faith to have the baby. Sure, that was the reason why. She could not possibly be the spiritual leader and declared himself the spiritual leader. Of course. I kind of think that he set her up to fail. You think? Yes, and then that way he could grab the uh, leadership. Well, well, because you never know, because remember, he he was probably, this is between what, 1983? So he's been in the group for at least two years, so he probably already knows the back history of how the Mm -hmm. group even came. So he pretty much, he's he's not an idiot. No. No, he's not. Just because he's just like, he's not an idiot. But he could probably, well, this is all, you know, speculation, but it looks like he's like, oh, so if I do this and I do that, I can take over, set her up for failure, and then I could say, wait, I am, because it's a, it's, a, it's a very crafty plan on his part. Yes. So Lois lost her authority. Now, this is a little indication of pretty much how this group worked. Mm. The group pushed her backwards out of a van one day. And said, we don't need you anymore. We have David. So now the group dropped her like a hot potato. David married Rachel Jones, age 14, in 1984. So he went from old to young. Yeah. Mm. Her parents gave him permission to marry. This seemed to calm things down for a while regarding the relationship with Lois. Question. Mm. What's the age of consent in Texas? Well, at the time, uh, 14, and it was with parental permission i believe it's not that anymore because mm. i know was it california is what 16 i have no idea i think it's 16 i hope it's 18 well no if it's 18 you could get married no matter what i mean there's no well i don't know what the current laws i know back in the 90s it was 16 it was, but yeah. i don't know what it is now okay all right i'm just like 14 like what okay all right, okay so now we have to talk about lois's son george wrote ah that's right we forgot about george well because in the previous episode we discussed that there was a a, a triple oh no there was a, a a battle between uh lois and him because yes. of the death of the other prophet ben ben yeah, yes. which was the father which was the father yes and okay. the husband yeah. yes okay, okay. Originally, Lois's son, George Roden, was set to succeed his mother as the prophet. Obviously. And he felt that David was usurping his authority, and he chased him and his followers off 
the Mount Carmel property via gunpoint. Now, I have one thought just right now. Sure. You have George Roden. You have David Koresh. He's, David has his followers. Obviously, George might have his. Yeah, this group has a tendency to, to split factions very quickly. If you have your mother who was pushed out of the van right. by David's followers and said, we don't need you anymore, we have David, right. that is a very a violent act. Aggressive. Especially yeah. on an older woman. Yeah, 70-year-old. Okay. Well. So I'm sure George didn't uh, appreciate that. So it could have set him off to thinking, you know what, I'm, we're going to get rid of this, this guy and whoever wants to follow him. Right. So about 25 people from the group moved to Palestine. I don't know if it's Palestine or Palestine, Texas, and lived in school buses with no electricity or conveniences. Woo, what a right decision that was, right? Yeah, well, they were solely dependent on him, which means David, and cut ties with anyone in the outside. Mm. Now, this was, this was for a few years. Yeah. It was two or three years. And David was able to recruit new followers from California, Great Britain, Israel, and Australia. Question. Mm. If they're living in school buses with no conveniences, how in the Hades was he able to get these people from Australia, okay, California, Great so Britain, Israel? Okay, so let's talk about Yes, please. So here we go. We have, um, they're secluded in mm. Palestine, Texas. Right. And David decides, well, I'm going to be traveling. I need to get some more followers. If we're secluded out here, I can't get anybody else to come. You think? So he went to Great Britain mm. for a recruiting meeting. Okay. Or not just a recruiting meeting, but a, uh, a campaign to recruit people. Right. He went into England, and there's a particular Christian college there that was Seventh-day Adventist-based. So he, he, he's targeting the Seventh-day Adventists. Yes, because oh, okay. obviously, you know, it's a, it's a split it's from a, a split. Right. But they have enough in common to maybe pull some towards a him. Yeah, okay, good point. Yes. He went to a place called... Newbold College, mm. and it's in Binfield, Berkshire, England. Sounds old. It is. I looked it up on, you know, the buildings. They're mm -hmm. kind of the typical British kind of thing that you would think a college would look like. Mm. But it's very small. Yes. So in 19, um, actually, kind of jumping ahead a little bit, um, but that's okay. So he he went there. He talked to the student body Without having permission from the... The university. Yeah, the university. Okay, he just snuck in. Yeah, he did. Naughty. Of course, that was his style. It's his shtick. So he had small groups, and he taught his his doctrine of, you know, the last times, the end of the world, the seven seals. Yeah, the seven seals is a big you one. You know, that's a big one for him, last days. And so they would go to the meetings because, you know, they're curious, and, of course, it's kind of... Ooh, Mysterious you know, yes. American hippie playing guitar. Exactly. And Looks like Jesus in the books. Thank you. So there was a professor who was invited to come to the meetings. He was targeted. Mm. And they kept saying, just come and see, come and see. So this professor did go to a couple of the meetings, but in his opinion, well, he was just, Koresh was going on and on around uh, in circles. Now, this professor was obviously a scholar. He was, you know, something he knew about uh, theology and whatnot. So he didn't make sense of it. But he did say that uh, Koresh claimed to know the interpretation of Revelation and the seven seals. 
Mm. So now, uh, kind of picking this up <coughs> a little bit above, but we'll go back to, because mm-hmm. remember, this is sort of like Godfather 2, right? Exactly. So Livingston Fagan is still alive, and he was picked up at this point, and he believed in David Koresh. Mm. He was at this college. Yes. Okay, so he's a Jamaican-British person. Yes. And uh, so he met he met David Koresh there. He's still a Branch Davidian and defends them to this day. Eesh. Okay. Wow. Okay. So also, let's go back to some of his other travels. Okay, sure. So the other travels were... Well, that yeah, Go because you, you, California, obviously, that's an easy, easy pickings. Cause well, in California, you, he uh, was he was trying to be a rock and roll star. Yeah, but still, it's like California, where if you haven't sensed the pattern, our lovely state of California represents a good chunk of people joining cults, but that's okay. Well, I think he really wanted to, yes, collect people, but also like his rock and roll, he wanted to get... I get it. Um, signed a contract I as we know that seems to be a theme with people we even knew yes. at that time mm-hmm. yes 80s, we did yes. right so you said we talk about great britain you said israel yes let's talk about israel in 1985 ah. this is all when they were in school buses by the yes, way yes this is yes so in 1985 uh, he's having a great time traveling the world. Yeah, on 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 a dime. Well, their dimes because they would all pool their money. Right. And then he would go and fly around and travel and try to recruit. Sounds familiar. Go ahead. So David Koresh, he visited in 1985. Mm. He went to Israel. Mm-hmm. And he said he was taken to a place where he was shown all things pertaining to God's law. Mm. Now, I was thinking, okay, where is that going to be? We've been there millions, not millions of times. We've been there a lot. Yes. And mm. the, the only place I could figure is um, in the Western Wall area. The also known as the Wailing Wall. Yes. To the left, in the men's side, there's yes. like a cave-ish thing, like a room R- that go down there. Real quick, real quick. So I'll cut you off for just a second. For all the people who don't know... Well, about the Wailing Wall, it's a, obviously, or the Western Wall, it's the original wall of the, of the original temple. When Holly says the men's side, it is segregated, just so you guys can have a picture and an idea. There's one big main area, they put a fence up on in the middle, and then of course behind it as well, because not everybody can just walk up to the wall. You have to go through, you know, security and all that kind of stuff. But you have the men's side, and then you have the women's side. Sorry. Yes, that's okay. And this is in Jerusalem. Yes, it is. It Lovely is Jerusalem. the last stones of the outer wall of the uh, Solomon's Temple. That or is actually, correct. not Solomon's David's Temple. David's Temple. No, it's the last temple uh, that was destroyed in 70 AD. That's correct. We're going all over the oh, map I'm on this. Oh, sorry, people. We're bombing. That's <laughs> okay. We've been there. It, it's, it, I love it. I love going there. So this is where we feel that he saw all things pertaining to God's law. Hmm. Now, he's an engaging fellow, and he probably was able to speak with some of these rabbinical-type people that, that are there at, at those rooms in the Western Wall. Question. Hmm. Rabbinical as in rabbis? Yes. Thank you. Go ahead. There's a lot of Orthodox there. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, there is. Yes. Okay. So now he claimed while he was in Israel, he had a divine visitation. Mm-hmm. So he saw a chariot come down with angels that <coughs> took him higher and higher past Orion. He saw civilizations so advanced that they were using laser technology. He saw the Almighty God. Now, 
What, what does that sound kind of sound what like? What year did the uh, Star Trek V come out? I don't know. No, it's not 85. Okay, never mind. I'm like, no, it's not 85. But it's very Star Trekian. It could have been. Because, well, yeah, it is. It's just like when we did the Final Frontier. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on here. Trying to create a well, pattern that's not there. Well, this also tells me there's nothing new. You know, no ideas are exactly... No, it's very, very copycat. Go ahead. When he returned to Earth, he had a panoramic view of the Bible where he could understand and interpret it. Mm. Okay. After the encounter, something happened. He had a divine destiny. Right. He was transformed, and signs of that were he stopped stuttering, Mm. and he became more knowledgeable of the Bible, not a hippie musician anymore, and he said he was the modern-day Cyrus, which is meaning Messiah. Wow. So now David is, of course, David, King David, that name meaning a kingdom. And Koresh is from Cyrus, which equals Messiah. So Mm. there in the name is that he's saying he is the The new King David Messiah. Yes. Wow. Now, I got a one thing I'm going to insert here. Insert, please. When people like to liken themselves to King David, that is not proper, okay? Because to say, just like King David, I was blah, 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 whatever it is. That is not something that I think we liken ourselves to. No. We wouldn't want to say, just like Solomon, we had many wives. Mm-hmm. Or we're okay to do that. And just like in real Christian faith, we go via New Testament and not the old. Well, that's true. But see, King, D- but anyway, it, I have heard people right, and, I, and yes. say that they liken themselves or somebody of their, you know, that they know like King David. He, they equivocate themselves to King David. And I don't think that's right. Well, first of all, if you're sitting there feeling yourself so much, you think you're King David, uh, <laughs> Go punch yourself in the face, because you know what? If you, you need to really look and see what King David really did. Okay, he's my favorite person in the Bible. Period. Besides Jesus Christ, guys, I get it, but he's my favorite because you know what? That dude screwed up so much, but people forget the part that he repented the best. But that's what they're trying to say. Yeah, but that th- they screwed up so badly and they repented so hard. They are like King David. But yeah, also but but King David made sure everybody saw him repent. That's the thing. Is like, oh, I was in the closet and I cried for what five minutes. No, well, no, no, but I'm just saying. To me, I just don't like that. No, don't you? You know, you be you, boo boo. No, no. And no, also, there's this only is one David. The same thing with David Koresh. This is where I'm getting at. He's he's making himself King David. Anybody and who, the Messiah. And anybody who talks talks to himself in the third well, third person is kind of funny. But you know, anyone <laughs> who anybody who talks themselves up as being the Messiah. Anyone who's listening to this, if anyone says that they're the new Messiah, you're in a cult, straight up. Okay, um, this 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 is a theme we've seen throughout yes. all these leaders. Mm-hmm. So if you're not getting the pattern, here's the pattern. Here's the cheat sheet. If you're going to a church or a group and some guys call himself the modern day Messiah, run. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So now he wanted to set up a Davidic kingdom in Jerusalem. Or punch him in the face. And thought there that he would be martyred in 1991. Of course. Now he changed the martyrdom to be at Mount Carmel. And I'm telling you the reason why he did that. Not that I know this as a fact for him. 
his decision. Right. But in Israel, they do not allow proselytizing. They don't allow no. anybody to be an evangelist officially no. or set up there. Okay. Now, if you are, you know, a Catholic or one of the Orthodox or... You can have, or even the Latter Day Saints, they have a college there, but they're not allowed to proselytize. They or dare you to do it and see how far it gets. No, you. you can be there to study, and you stay within your own. Yeah, you yeah, you toe the line, or you're out of the line. So Israel would never give him permission to be a permanent resident there to do this kind Good of work. Good job, Israel. Good <laughs> job. So anyway, that's why he probably changed the martyrdom to be at Mount Carmel. Of course. Now survivors of you know, the end of this, recount their being mesmerized of his knowledge of the Bible and how much they learned. Okay, real quick. Mm. You hear some of the, if you've seen like his teachings and stuff, like the one he's talking and stuff. Okay. That's fine. There's, yes, I agree. They, he, he, anybody can be a scholar of the Bible. That's how you use it. Okay. Okay. And for them to just be in awe and amazement, Look at the 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 walk, not the talk. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. It, it's one. Of, that's one of my things. Period. I understand, but you know they liked. Well, you I get know, it. The I whole get package it. there. Getting too emotional. So there. now he, uh, because he came back, he had purpose. He could put ideas together that would make sense. Mm. He was a messenger of God, and he convinced them that he was the Messiah. Right. Okay. Yay. Let's see. Back to this British uh, recruitment. Okay. He did. It, he was able to convince uh, a person or two to come and visit Mount Carmel, and they did, and they came back to gr uh, England, and they said, oh, hey, you know, come with me. Come see a man, you know? Right. He was able to recruit several folks from that one recruiting. Now, Steve Schneider was his right-hand man. He was also very charismatic. Mm. And when he went back to Great Britain for the second time, Schneider had recruiting meetings. Ah. Now, they met in houses for studies for hours. And one of these times, it was 17 hours straight. Now, we have children and women and children. And if you wanted to go use the bathroom, he would get annoyed. Yeah. You know, but that's called modern-day brainwashing. Oh, yeah, of course. The Manchurian Candidate. And what they would do is they would just camp out for a week or two or how, however many days they could actually do it. Now, one of the women said, raised her hand and said, when are you going to be done with this? Right. And he got very upset. And Go ahead. Yeah, because there's no questions. Once again, there's another problem. There's so many red flags that are shooting off, but go ahead. Yes. And so she... He just got, uh, he said, well, I have to go make a phone call to God. And so he left. Oh, my gosh. He called David on yes, the phone. Yes, he oh, did. Oh, jeez. Okay, so there was a red flag. <sighs> At that point, there was 10 people that went to Waco, and they believed Jesus was there. Oh, okay, now these people, by the way, were, they were British citizens, but they were from Jamaica. So they all had a very common background right okay and they were seventh-day adventists mm. he was able to pull them and they're very much sad stories about how one man had his wife and his all his kids up and left him one day mm. and just went to waco and he didn't even know about it because he was working so much and he was a devout seventh-day adventist and he wasn't going to bend and turn right well it ends up you know it didn't end up well for that family unfortunately 
1986, Lois Roden died. Mm. Now, we're saying, we're thinking, okay, she's at Mount Carmel with George, her son. Right. And the other David Koresh followers are in Palestine. Palestine. Yeah, Yeah, Texas. So up until that time, David taught monogamy was the way to live, which means, you know, one man, one wife kind of thing. And he changed his mind about it and said that polygamy was allowed for him. Of course it was just for him. And he took his second wife, Karen Doyle, in March of 1986. Wow. Later on, he secretly took Rachel's younger sister, Michelle Jones, at age 12. Gross. Disgusting. Yucky. Now, he said he was allowed to have 140 wives and 80 concubines, as in the Song of Solomon. Pause. He, he was, he was allowed? Only he was allowed? Well, because we're, we're back to the, I am King David. I am Solomon. I am, I am, you know. <sighs> oh, all of the great men of the Old Testament had more than one wife. This is a common theme. I I've heard it. I just want to punch a student in the face okay. so bad. Okay, all go right, ahead. Now, a former member reported David's doctrine of polygamy came from his desire to have sex with young girls. That's just the bottom line. You know, you just make the Bible fit to what you want to do. Right. Once he convinced himself it was from God to do so, he could be free of guilt and have sex with as many girls as he could get his hands on, Mm. which he did. Mm -hmm. Now. Nice little harem. (laughs) Okay. Now, in 1987, David wrote and played rock music as part of his ministry. He made audio tapes of sermons, and he had T-shirts with his logo. (laughs) (laughs) We saw the T-shirt. It's actually pretty interesting. So David was the center, and he had a complete knowledge of the Bible, and he was internationally known, and people came from different countries and all walks of life to be with him. Now, real quick, this is pre-internet. so Yeah, um, that was pretty amazing. So I'm imagining... He did go to Australia. I don't have any of the facts of that, but nah, people from Australia did come. Yes, they did. Now, well, now, okay, so he's getting all popular. What's going on over at Mount Carmel? Okay, so George Roden was losing his following. And in an effort to regain people, he challenged David to raise the dead. Does this sound familiar? It sounds very Tony Alamo. Yeah. Ah, Okay, yes. and just like we said prior. Um, oh, that's ad- right. Tony Alamo had his own harem, too. Yes, and he was oh. in Arkansas just a little bit. Just a down the road down there. Down the road, because he was in the edge of Arkansas, yes, remember? Yes, he was. Right Interesting. On, over the border of Texas. Oh. <laughs> About the same time, by the mm. way. So, in order to have this contest, George Roden dug up a corpse for this contest. That's disgusting. I, I wonder who was his mom. No, it was just some random corpse, oh, okay. okay? Instead, and then probably at Mount Carmel, okay, of because course. they, probably have, their own graveyard. they yeah. have their own graveyard. Of course. So instead, so David met him, camouflaged with seven others armed with guns. They managed to pin Roden down behind a tree with a minor injury. The authorities broke up the shootout and arrested all but one of David's men who managed to escape. The six were charged with attempted murder, but were acquitted. David's trial ended up in a mistrial. Shocking. Their defense was that they were trying to prove a criminal disturbance of a corpse by getting photo evidence. They were discovered by Rodin and a gunfight ensued. Oh, so they were actually the heroes. How okay? convenient. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of segue back to 
you know, the, all this is going on and they get acquitted, mistrial. They're still in Palestine, Texas, living in school buses. Right. George Roden still has uh, Mount Carmel at this point. Yes. Now, later, this is separate from uh, David Koresh. This is pre-David Koresh ambush or whatever it is. No, this was post. Oh, post. Oh, yeah. okay. So later, after this whole corpse incident, incident mm-hmm. uh, George Roden murdered a man named Dale Adair. With an axe to the skull because he said he believed, meaning Dale Adair believed that he was the Messiah. Wow. So, yeah, he didn't like that. No, he. So he decided to kill the Messiah, I guess. Oh, jeez. Okay. So hey there, Cain. Yeah, so George Roden was judged insane and committed to a psychiatric hospital. Wow. Now, Mount Carmel was seized for back taxes and put up for sale. David and his followers were able to raise enough money to buy it. Mm. So they redeemed it back. Okay. And they discovered a meth lab on the property. Because obviously it's been probably this was years or months or whatever. So the locals are going to use what they got. Use what they got. And so he had the local police remove it. And then Mount Carmel was run down at this time. Mm. So they started rebuilding and built the structure we all saw burned down. (gasps) Spoiler. I know. Too late. We already got Father Tudia. Yep. <laughs> there were rooms with shared bathrooms and central eating facilities. Healthy food only and no cable TV. Hang on. People felt David was a good leader and they believed in him. Go ahead. Healthy food only? Well, no. Okay. So uh, people that were in town testified that they saw David Koresh coming into town into Sam's Club. Okay. To buy the food for the... For the people in the compound. Right. And uh, this was in the later days, but they he would only buy peanut butter and popcorn. Peanut butter and popcorn. Now, maybe they maybe they uh, Hunted baked, on their, baked own. their own bread right. and made some of those things. Maybe they had canning, meaning they grew their vegetables and fruit mm. and did some of that. I'm not sure. Mm. But uh, they did not have any outside influences. Ah, gotcha. Okay, question. So, he's the one who's doing the grocery shopping by himself? Is this what this is? Yes. Okay, interesting. So, that w- that probably will com- be coming up later on in other um, episodes of this series. Okay, that's, just, that's just weird. Okay. That he was alone or he was by himself out in town. Okay, okay all right, sorry. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. We're going to talk about some of his his main focus was his, the seven seals. His doctrine. Okay. Okay. Now, there's seven seals in the book of Revelation. Yes. This is prophecy. Ah. Okay. <laughs> now, David Koresh believed that he, the, well, the seven seals were the key to understanding everything. And, of course, guess what? He understood all seven seals. And only he understood yes. it. Yes. So, each seal had to be opened to reveal the coming kingdom of God on the earth. Mm. Leading up to the return of God, there would be many catastrophic events. It was an, oh no, that word again. Apocalyptic. Thank you, drama that would happen in the last days. Mm. So now the key figures were the beast, described as a horrible seven-headed beast with horns. It represented Babylon, the political military power of the world. Now, Mm. I am not prophecy person right i don't 
even study it. Okay, right. so this is what David Koresh is saying. Yeah, this is his stuff. This yes, is his stuff. not mine. All right, now this is his stuff. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just wanted to let you know. There are the people of God who mm-hmm. are being opposed and persecuted by Babylon. Mm-hmm. David believed the Branch Davidians were going to be this special group. Of course they're the special group. Everyone's a special group. Oh, yes. The seventh seal is the end of the world, the final judgment. David claimed he could interpret the seals, open them. He claimed to be the Lamb of God, of which course. is in Revelation 5. Mm-hmm. And David Koresh claimed to be God. We have a flyer that proves that. What well, We are going to talk about that at the wrap-up show. Yeah, we're going to talk about the wrap-up show. So just, just remember the flyer. Yeah, the flyer. Okay. Now, he convinced his followers of this, and they believed they would be persecuted and fall by fire. Now, that's very important. Mm. Okay, falling by fire. Yeah. The group started training for war. So that's physical fitness, gun training. They were God's soldiers. Now, you know, we all say we're God's soldiers as Christian, onward Christian soldiers and all that. But they took it literally. This reminds me of the, the Rajneeshi movie. Yeah, a little bit. Mm. In interviews, David said that he would shoot back if shot at. Now, see that. Well, he would the say hubris of him. Well, he would say, "Hey, if you come, you know, in my into my home and shooting at me in my house, then I will shoot back." Right. Which is a is a kind of thing that is a common, you know, thought. It's not aberrational of the Midwestern thought. Yeah, okay? the, but the thing is, if you're claiming, never mind. Okay. I, I can go down. A, a All do, right. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So he told his followers, if they were killed, it was God's will. He was the messianic deliverer to deliver them from Babylon, which was the U.S. government. So he's setting this up. Right. Okay. So David Koresh was giving Bible studies from mid-afternoon until the next morning. Wait, wait. Mid-afternoon until the next morning? Yep, and they were on, like, a bleachers, by the way, that kind of reminded me of bleachers that we had in our former church. Yes, Hmm. (laughs) they were comfortable. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine Mm. having to sit in those things for hours? And we had, you know, I'm sorry, he had older people there, too. And he would get upset if they needed to use the bathroom, eat, or any of this stuff. Wait, wasn't the one where... um, what was it? One of the documentaries where they said that he they they couldn't leave, so they just had to just urinate on themselves. Yes. Uh-huh. Ah. Hmm. Yep. He would call. He would yell at his followers, mm-hmm. and he would call them idiots and dirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Messiah. Go yeah, ahead. I mean, I don't remember in the New Testament that Jesus ever saying that. The now, only he time would, he got upset was when he turned the tables over in the temple. Well, he also would say stuff to the. The Pharisees. Oh, well. Now, these people on these Yeah, but he wasn't nasty to the Pharisees. He just kind of just, like, you know, just smoothly delivered it. Just like as a nice little, ah. True. But, yeah, these people sitting on the benches were not Pharisees. No. They're your own flock. Yes. He claimed he was the man on the white horse. Uh, of course he's the man on the now white horse. Now, there's a, you know, there's a scripture that talks about the lamb. mm who broke one of the seven seals, and mm-hmm. he heard one of the living creatures uh, with a voice of thunder saying, Come. And the writer of the book of Revelation, which was John, mm-hmm. saw a white horse, and he who sat on it had a, a bow, like, mm-hmm. you know, bow and arrow kind of thing. And a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Mm-hmm. So now we're saying that um, 
David Koresh claimed to be this person on the white horse. Right. So just so you guys know, if you guys are Bible readers or if you're just curious, grab a Bible, look at it. It's Revelation 6, 1 and 2. Go ahead. Okay, good. Based on this passage, usually the white rider is generally referred to as conquest. I'm sorry, that's Midnight Rider. Okay. (laughs) So no questioning him. He was the chosen one. Of course. No questioning. Now the camaraderie of the early days turned into a Gestapo mentality Mm. and more controlling. Mm. So clothes were whatever you wore was criticized. Mostly Mm. women, of course. Hours worked, you know, you didn't work your 18 hours. Mm. Permission to leave the property was granted by him or not. Mm. They had an armed guard at the front and the back of the property, of course, to keep people out, but also to keep people in. Mm. Now, Koresh felt he needed to make something happen. Question. Okay, I have a lot, lot, well. Okay, go ahead. Okay, let me get this straight. Permission to leave the property. So apparently he probably did go grocery shopping. I'm, I'm, I'm opening this up. So if he has no accountability, he's the Messiah. He's just running around town doing whatever he wanted to do? Yes. Uh, basically, the townspeople kind of call them a rock and roll Jesus, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because you have small... something that I need to hear. Yeah. He had a, you know, this is a small area in, in Waco. It's Waco's uh, a college town. It's the home of Baylor University. Yeah. And um, also, he lived outside of town quite a bit. Yes, he did. So there was a lot of country roads, things of that nature. Right. Well, he had a nice... 1968 Camaro nice, that was okay. black, and he was able to run around in that thing and you know uh, peel out. And some of the local uh, law enforcement would laugh because they say, "Hey, see there, there goes Jesus in oh, his Camaro." Geez. And he nice also car. had a Harley Davidson. All right, course. okay, cool beans. He would go into town to play with the local bands ah. because he was a musician. And he wanted to kind of get into that scene still. He you wanted know? to get his rock on. Yes, he did. But guess what? He was able to go and drink beer. Now, his followers couldn't drink beer. They had to have these quote-unquote healthy food, a separated lifestyle. He's in bars drinking beer with... Probably eating unhealthy food. Yeah, and he's in with, you know, people that are uh, heathen. But he's okay. Now, he did try to evangelize those people. He tried to talk about his seven seals, and the musicians would say, no, man, we're here to play music. We're in a bar. We're not here to listen to your religious stuff. Uh, good good men. Okay. So it, he, they shut Shouldn't him down. Shouldn't have been there in the first place. But he did want to be a rock star. Oh, but, it's, but everyone has to be subservient to him. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. We are uh, back to the point where they're pretty much prisoners inside of Mount Carmel. He's free to roam. Mm-hmm. And it was getting more and more uh, restrictive. So there was a story that came uh, to light after the fact on one of these interviews. And it was a woman who had some kids, uh, I don't know, if two or three children, and she wanted to escape. She knew she couldn't do it. Right. So what she did was she made a plan, and I guess there was other women that kind of supported her in her plan. Okay. They couldn't do it themselves because they were so mentally and physically weak from lack of food, proper food, and from just the abuse, okay? But they wanted her to do it. 
so she and her children dressed in black snuck out in the middle of the night and had to crawl through a field mm. okay so that the guards wouldn't see her right and in this field i'm imagining it's in summertime not sure mm-hmm. but in the summer there's a lot of bugs snakes animals you know yeah it's texas un- yeah it's right. rural texas of exactly course. so they had to do that and they finally got to a, a road and they had to wave down somebody probably by that time it was early morning mm. you know could have been five o'clock in the morning and they were able to get someone to pick them up take them to their home call the authorities and escape mm. so when you hear about these type of things it wasn't something that was a free will uh no uh no and no <sighs> and of course you know there are stories that came out this particular person happened to be a british citizen mm-hmm. evidently you know she got processed out and got sent home and that was dropped and a lot of these warning signs by the way were uh british people who were in there and then they would just kind of okay and they would process them you know send them back home and it would be dropped because they didn't have any evidence but of these type of abuses right now well the abuses continue i'm assuming yes so now koresh felt he needed to father the 24 elders in the book of revelation of course back to revelation needed to do it Mm -hmm. and in this reference it's revelation 4 4 it talks about these elders i've never heard that kind of a thing where someone needed to father 24 elders i figure that's god's business um he's not god and uh it's none of his business yeah. But it's his way of getting what he wants. Of course, it's control. Yes. Using the Bible to to uh, uh, um, to to fit your narrative. So Koresh started sleeping with underage girls. Of course he did. 13, 14, 15 years old, mm. justifying the elders needed to come from virgins and it was hard to find them. Mm, this People is older. So their parents granted him permission because they were all within the group. Okay. And in Texas at the time, the age with parental permission was 14 years old. Now they have done interviews with parents that allowed this to happen that has actually survived, you know, the end of the story. And they still stand by what they they allowed. That's fine. Okay. It's just The girls bought into it, and Koresh used the Bible as a model to justify taking young girls as wives. Fit in the narrative. Go ahead. Okay. This is something called the New Light Doctrine. Yeah, I don't remember hearing about the New Light Doctrine in the Bible. No, it's his revelation. Oh, it's his revelation. Yes. Oh, okay. So now he declares that all marriages were annulled. <laughs> oh, okay. Go ahead. Well, because, you know. Yeah. He's God. He said this order came from God. No one could touch each other. Married men were moved to single men's dorms, and the wives were moved in together. Question, yes. mm-hmm. does this mean his marriage is too? No, because he's oh. the only one that can be married. Oh, how convenient. Go okay, ahead. Okay, so all the women should be with David Koresh and have babies with him. Of course. Koresh was the only one who could have righteous children. This of is where course. we're going with it. Oh, and geez. all the women of the world belonged to him. That Only was his him. divine instruction. Uh, of course, it all falls down because he eh. can't father everybody in the whole world. But anyway. Hey, he's God. He can. 
Okay. Let's get back to people that are there. They're kind of seeing this new light doctrine. There's a lot of pain going on because there's husbands and wives who really liked each other, loved each other, and they had children of their own. Right. And one couple, uh, Steve Schneider, as a matter of fact, who was his right-hand man, he and his wife weren't able to have kids. They tried. It wasn't working out. And then when this new light doctrine came, they had to go their separate ways. His wife went with David Koresh, married him, quote-unquote, and had a child with him. Mm. So Steve Schneider had to watch while his wife had a baby with his Messiah, I guess, if you want to call it, and still stood behind him. Okay. Oh, my God, I'm so agitated right now. First of all, oh, I'm, I'm just put, picturing myself in that position. Uh, see, that's where you get your best friend. His name's Louisville, last name's Slugger, and you beat the living dog turd out of this dude for touching. No! Okay, but you see no. that this was, I mean, I know, this obviously I know. was many, many years of indoctrination. I know, mentoring candidate stuff. I know, I know. It's just, and you still stuck with him? That's just so. Yeah, to the end, by the way. Oh, aggravating. It's just wasting people's lives. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. The husbands, you know, they had to burn their pictures of their wives and, you know, kind of just detach from everything because now David owned all the women. Mm. And the wives felt honored to become God's wife because they they felt unworthy. And it was was a great honor to be one of David's wives. I'm sorry, you're not special, honey, because he's taking all of them. Okay. Well, now there was one gal who was a little bit older, but um, this happened, you know, and she... She was actually brought up under the prior regime. Regime. Ah. Okay, so she did have more of a teaching of what right and wrong were. were. Right. But for reasons unknown, she decided she was getting afraid that she was, because he asked her, are you still able to have children? She obviously was able to, but she was afraid. She didn't want to sleep with him. She didn't want to have anything to do with it. Well, so, she she's not a virgin, so how could he? Well, it didn't matter, I guess. They, you know, separate <laughs> you, separate do you, kids. Do you, do you see the weirdness that yes. this is? Because it's he it's Dick. He is hypocritical in his own lifestyle. He's a double-minded man, and then also he's saying that he must bear the twenty-four or whatever, and but they have to become a virgins. But yet now. Oh, well, this sucks because I want my cake and eat it, too. Yes. So then he annuls everything, and he, oh. It, yeah, he just I keeps mean, reaching more and more and more. You see how far he can go, and everyone's just dumb enough to say, sure, God. Okay, but, you know, let's let's give him a break. I know. I'm trying to give them a break. Okay. I'm just putting myself in that situation, and it definitely would be going different in a different pattern. Yes. Okay, so now this one poor lady... She didn't know what to do. She had only grown up there. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. she married there. She had her kids there. She made a big mistake in a way, but, I mean, you do what you do when you do it. Right. She ended up escaping on her own in the middle of the night. She left her children and her husband there. Hey. Okay. And and the reason why is because she, all her parents were at, Mount Carmel. Oh. You see, she had no one outside 
to to help her. It was literally start from scratch, yeah. clean slate. But mm. you know, she probably didn't anticipate the end, and you know, her she had a pretty sad story herself. Right. Okay. So now, the defectors, which we just talked about, anyone who left was marked as an enemy, of course, and a defector who. There was a one who tried to get the authorities to investigate the under er, underage girl abuse. Mm. But unfortunately, the authorities could not discover any evidence because it was all in-house. Right. Know, the parents signing yeah, off Yeah, it wasn't it someone everything. coming from outside the school and you're bringing them over or anything like that. Right. All righty. You know what? I'm getting too emotional. Yes. I'm getting too upset. Yes. So we're just going to end it there because... Right. We've actually gone quite a bit. That's fine. That's fine. And it's it's, wor- it's worth going over because we have to paint the picture. Because some people are lighting him up as a victim and he's not so much as a victim. No, so. the more I get into it... Yeah, because you kind of... Because honestly, before we got into the, 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 the deepness of it all... Um, you you kind of sit there and say, well, they do have the right of religion. They do have the right of, you know, free speech, this, this, and that. So, you know, from an outsider looking in at the time before we got down the rabbit hole, you kind of just didn't say, well, that's, you know, you, you kind of start to be pissed off at the government for what they did. Okay, and so we're going to get into the details. We're going to get into the yeah. details on that. But, you know, the more, you know, and of course, everyone liked to put, pin them up as a victim. And not so much victim when you finally get the, the, the both sides of the story. Well, yes, and we're going to get to that other yes, side the next time, and there are going to be some aggravating things that the government did. Yes, no, we're, we're not saying, you know, it's 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 all bad. It's it a, is. It's all bad. There's a no-win situation. No, yes, there. it's the Kobayashi Maru effect. <laughs> Alrighty, and on that note, good night, Holly. Good night, Carl.